an empowered woman who empowers women. Queen's Series Part 4 Welcome to Unpacking the Box. This is Linnea, your host. Hey, y'all. I hope this finds you all doing well. I hope you had an amazing week thus far. Today is Thursday, and your girl is back with another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new to me, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate y'all for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to your girl. Now, I am back again, but I am not alone. Check out this dope interview. All right, tonight I'm here with a gorgeous queen who wears many amazing hats. She is a doctor, an author, an entrepreneur. I'd like to welcome Dr. Kanisha Hall to the show. Hey. Hello, hello. I thank you for sharing your wonderful platform. I am honored to participate. Yes, thank you so much. I have been following your page for a while. And first of all, I just want to tell you that you're very, very, very inspiring. Like I'm just, I'm just in awe of all that you have accomplished, just all that you're doing. I think it's amazing. Well, I will say this. I am not just a wonderful person. I am the reflection of great parents. Um, and a great support system, and you can't believe everything you see on social media, but I really do try. (laughs) Well, you're doing a good job. You're doing a very good job. So where are you from? I am originally from a little little place called Shreveport, Louisiana. It's actually not South Louisiana. It's about five hours away from New Orleans. Whenever you say Louisiana, people immediately think of New Orleans. Um, Mm -hmm. My parents do have, like, southern Louisiana roots, but I was born in Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay, nice. Now, what made you want to get into the medical field and become an anesthesiologist? Okay, so I tell this story, and people are just like, oh, I'm not that typical person. And, like, ever since they were five years old, they knew they wanted to be a doctor. That is not my story. <laughs> I grew up. With my my grandmother um, lived with us when we were growing up. My mom's mother, my paternal grandmother. And she loved watching soap operas, and so did my mom. And everybody watches Young and the Restless. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be Ashley Abbott on Young and the Restless. I wanted to make perfume and makeup and things that made people feel good because they look good. So originally, I was always a really, really good student, really, really smart um, I actually wanted to go to cosmetology school at some point, and my mom was like, no, you are not wasting all of this good intelligence, and I had a scholarship, like, you're go- like it wasn't a question, you're going to college, so I majored in chemistry, mm-hmm. and I was, and but in my mind, like, I was going to major in chemistry and learn how to formulate all of these beauty products that was, you know, going to change the world. Oh, wow. And- <laughs> In the pursuit of my career, like after undergraduate school, I went to grad school. I actually even studied abroad in uh, Japan and got involved in research. And that's when I fell in love with self-care, with medicine. I was working with an OBGYN in Japan. He had an actual clinical um, practice where he would see patients, but he was also very heavily involved in research, specifically HPV which is linked to cervical cancer. Mm. And I saw the relationship that he had with his patients, and I saw his passion 
for teaching other young um, students who wanted to be physicians. And that was really my first exposure to healthcare. I have physicians in my family, but all of them are men. None of them were women. And I, to my recollection, like I have quite a few cousins that are physicians are all men. To my knowledge, I'm still the only female physician in my family. Um, but with that being said, like, while I was there in Japan, that's when he was like, you know what? You should consider applying to medical school. I was already doing research. I had a background in research in pain medicine as well as cancer markers from my chem- my chemistry background. Mm-hmm. And I did. I applied to medical school, got into the wonderful Howard University. Yes. My school very much. <laughs> yes. And that's actually how I got into medicine still with a passion for wanting to help people feel good I love that I love that now what all does your job entail as an anesthesiologist okay so an anesthesiologist does lots and lots of things we put people to sleep when they're having surgery We do epidurals and other pain procedures to relieve the discomfort of bringing a baby into this world, whether it's, you know, vaginal delivery or a C-section. We do pain medicine, which helps people with chronic and acute pain with procedures, you know, help them, you know, get relief from their pain. Mm -hmm. Also, we do critical care. We manage patients that are on mechanical ventilation that are thicker than the average patients, like you're really ill on what uh, people commonly call life support. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get involved when people are having heart surgeries and they have to stop the heart long enough for the surgeon to work on them. Um, And we also do sleep medicine since we put people to sleep for surgery. There are some anesthesiologists that can do fellowships to further study, you know, the pathologies that come along with sleep. So that's, people just think anesthesiologists oh, you just push drugs. Right. You know, there's a lot to it. We have procedures. Like I said, we have pain procedures. We treat people with chronic pain, with acute pain. We um, help women in labor deal with their pain while they are, trying to have a baby so yeah and that's why I want, a lot that we do yeah and that's why I wanted you to um you know just explain because I know some people really don't really know all that you know what you guys do you're very 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 important so that's amazing yes so I know I can see all through your page how much you love Howard University so what was <laughs> yes I love it though like how was your <laughs> how was your experience like how what was it like going to Howard University College of Medicine. Okay. So, it is hard for me. People who have never had an HBCU experience, it's hard for me to explain this to them, but imagine being disconnected from your family for your entire life and you go to your first family reunion. That's what it's like the first day Mm -hmm. on campus. That's family. (laughs) That is family. I love it. And that's the only thing I can relate to. You were in, you were raised in a foreign country. You didn't know who your family was. You were missing a piece of your identity because you were not connected to 
your family and you go to your first family reunion and you are encircled by a whole bunch of people that love you and want to see you win. That was my first experience, not even my first day at house. On the first day I interviewed for medical school, mm-hmm. I had two interviews scheduled after I interviewed at Howard. I didn't even go. <laughs> I didn't go. I did not go. It was pointless. So, I'm like I said, I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm from the South. Um, in my city, in Shreveport, there were a few um, minority physicians um, being black, um, Indian, Middle Eastern. You know, there were a few brown-skinned um, physicians. And due to my parents' occupation, my dad being a salesman and involved in real estate and my mom being involved in banker, most of these affluent minority people I actually knew. Mm-hmm. Not once can I... Re- I remember expressing to my dad's physician, a family medicine doctor in my hometown, my desire to go to medical school. It was never any words of encouragement. There was never any offering of help. Mm-hmm. It was basically like a good luck with that. Mm. Wow. I had, prior to this experience, I graduated from undergrad from um, a PWI. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just never had an HBCU experience. This is not, I'm going to medical school. One of the hardest things I have to do in my life and I land on Howard's campus. Um, but as soon as you walk on this campus, from the security guard to the cleaning staff, the people that keep the, you know, the grounds, the groundskeeper, to the president of the university, to the professors, it, they, that's, that's family, that's auntie. Mm-hmm. And they're all rooting for you to not just be great, but he'd be even greater than they are. I love it. And I was blown away. Like your first day of medical school, you are given three mentors. <laughs> you're given a upper class of medical student, somebody who literally just walked the same path that you are about to walk. You are given an MD mentor, a doctor at Howard University Hospital to guide you as far as professionalism, choosing a specialty that is where you are trying to be. Mm -hmm. And you are given um, a PhD advisor to help you should you find yourself having trouble with any of the massive amount of material that you have to learn to be a physician. First day, three Mm -hmm. advisors, your advisor, waiting on you. And you're like, okay, this is this is ceremonial. This is cool. But the next day, if you haven't responded to that, that, that physically, my advisor my physically came to meet me, like shake my hand, hug me, glad mm-hmm. you're here. And they sent me an email. The second day, if you had not responded to those three emails, you were getting a phone call. Like, this is not a game. Mm-hmm. You have been surrounded by three people whose only goal is to make sure you get through. That's real that helpful. Was to me. That was for I had professors who knew that, you know, we had 
students that were from other countries that opened up their homes, they would have dinners at their homes to make sure we had home-cooked meals. Like, this, like I said, this is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life and to be surrounded by that amount of support. And even now that I am a physician myself, mm-hmm. I always, I, I, it's this tug, this pulling me, I got to go back. Because there aren't that many black female anesthesiologists. It's actually less than 2%. And the only way that that's, that's going to change is if I make room at the table I sit at. And the only way mm-hmm. I can do that is if I reach back and pull forward. Mm, that part. And you just yeah. don't have that mentality at other institutions. But I have that mentality because I was shown that mentality. There hasn't been at any point during my matriculation through school, any point in my career, where I did not know I had someone to call on. Mm. That's that's awesome. Dr. Wayne Frederick, the Mm. president of the entire university. That was my mentor Mm -hmm. when I was in medical school. I rounded with him. I would see patients with him. He would get on me if I wasn't on top of my stuff. And I learned a lot about bedside manner from this man because he didn't just know his patients' lab results. He could tell you the age of their children, why it was important for them to recover from their surgery, who they needed to get back home to. Mm. Now, that's the type of physician I wanted to be. He wasn't concerned. Like he, he always told me, he was like, your patient is not the disease that they have. They're somebody's daughter, they're somebody's son, they're somebody's mother, they're somebody's father. You have to treat that all-encompassing person, not just treat a disease. Mm, it sounds like you had some amazing examples and, like, really... I cannot tell yes. you. Like, it was amazing, the best, like, literally. Well, I won't say the best time of my life because there's plenty more to come, but I, I wouldn't be the woman that I am today if it wasn't for that time at Howard. I love hearing that, yes. Y'all hear that? That's that's amazing. You had a, a great support system. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. I love that. So with all that's going on right now with like the coronavirus, oh my God, it's just so crazy right now. Um, what are some ways we can all build up our immune systems? Basically, the best way to build up your immune system is to get healthy. And if you're already healthy, stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just having this conversation um, about coronavirus versus the flu versus past epidemics we've had as far as like H1N1, swine, flu, Zika virus. People forget we, we've mm-hmm. had pandemics before, but nothing to this level of pandemonium. And I won't get into the numbers and all of the conspiracy theories. But listen, if you have been through similar pandemics before, whether you really, really remember those times in your life, flying through H1N1, all that other stuff, in general, you know when flu season comes around, you take your vitamin C, you try to, you know, be more conscious of hygiene, and you look at people kind of sideways when they're sneezing and coughing and running <laughs> uh-huh. you know. I mean, that's normal. People also don't understand the role that stress plays on your immune system. 
getting caught up in these new cycles now. Oh, let me preface this. I am very much so encouraging everyone to stay informed. Mm-hmm. But stressing yourself out, gluing yourself to the TV, you know, creating all of this anxiety is not healthy. There are actual neuroreceptors, hormones that are released in your body when you're stressed out that will suppress your immune system. My advice is to adhere very closely to the CDC guidelines. Keep your social distance, good hygiene. Don't just wash your hands, but take a bath and a shower. Like good hygiene, wash your clothes, wash your hair. Good hygiene, keep mm-hmm. your house clean. Areas of your house that are commonly touched by all the moving people in your house, wipe them down with disinfectant. Hygiene is beyond. Hand washing is important. Do not get me wrong, but don't neglect all the hygiene. Right. Okay? Uh, I think. Body, okay? Yes. But also being healthy. Eat healthy. Don't sit around like it's spring break eating junk food that is going to do nothing for your immune system. Again, like I'm, I'm from Louisiana. We we good for a good hurricane. And just like um, the freshman 15 people who went through Hurricane Harvey here in Houston, everybody put on between 10 and 15 pounds during that hurricane. Cause we just, just know, sitting around you know, eating. <laughs> don't do that. Do not eat Harvey. Eat healthy because the vegetables, the fruits, the vitamins and nutrients you put into your body help boost your immune system. Take a daily vitamin. You are not too young, too old, too male, too female, too in between to not take every single person on the planet Earth should be taking a good daily vitamin. By a good daily vitamin, it should have a minimum of 12 nutrients in it. Your vitamin A, B, C, um, and D, um, especially mm-hmm. C, also vitamin E is good for your immune system. But just eat healthy, take care of yourself, drink lots of water, stay hydrated, that keeps those cells in good condition to fight off, you know, if common infections that you come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Staying generally healthy, sitting at home, eating candy, not moving around is not good for your immune system. Regular activity. Yes, you have to practice social distance, but that doesn't mean that you can't go for a walk. It doesn't mean that you can't get out in the fresh air. It doesn't mean that you can't ride a bike. You still need this regular physical activity, a good balanced diet, take a daily vitamin, drink all your water. You're supposed to drink like in ounces, like half of your body weight in water or whatever. Mm-hmm. Drink your water. Be healthy, and that will in itself keep you healthy and boost your immune system at the same time. And try not to stress. Try not to get caught up in this new cycle because those stress hormones will suppress your immunity too. I love that. Yes, y- y'all hear that? We got to stop eating all the snacks, okay? We got to eat healthy, okay? Because we just sitting in the house, just being, taking advantage of quarantine and just eating up everything. <laughs> I know, because you already hoarding all of these groceries. You <laughs> right. And, you, and literally two days into the quarantine, they were like, man, I just spent $200 on groceries with all them snacks. No. <laughs> all right. No, make a salad and stick. 
Right, right. Nobody like did anybody get bags of lettuce? Like, or or, you know, anybody get the fruits? Like, (laughs) the produce section was untouched. (laughs) That's crazy. All the kangaroos gone. All the rainbows. Like people went back to their college days. All the ramen noodles. Yes. Oh my God. I was just ready to say. Produce stands untouched. Get an apple. Okay. Okay. Yes. Get some almonds. Sit Because that's exactly the mindset of these people in this grocery store. Like nobody had, like nobody had an orange, an apple, grapes, like no. nothing. <laughs> no, they got chili dogs and potato chips and French fries and rotel dip. Like it's the Super Bowl, <laughs> right? Hilarious. And what, they, and what you really don't realize is, I mean, it's not for certain, but recent. Predictions say that this virus will peak and begin to dissipate in the summer. How are you going to reveal your summer body when you've been <laughs> locked up on your corona diet for right. the next month and then gained 15 pounds? No! Think about the summer body, people. You're going to come out of corona confinement. And, I mean... You're not going to be ready. We're back in the house. Like, no. This is a great time Right. Get your diet and exercise together. Make a plan for your day. It might actually help relieve some of the frustration you have with homeschooling your kids. Put them <laughs> on the schedule and you get on the schedule. Wake up in the morning, go for a walk, come home, make a smoothie. Okay? Eat healthy. Plan out regular exercise and activity in your day. Come out of this corona confinement looking better than you did when you went in is my best advice you because you're gonna be real real sad when it's time to go to the beach and you're still staying around your corona weight and you try and get into that two-piece okay listen you looking like a two-piece no 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 no. that is hilarious that is so hilarious all right and and speaking of going like to the beach and stuff like that so so how can people, especially, you know, healthcare professionals who have to still go to work, they're not in quarantine, how can we protect ourselves if we have to go out into the public? Oh, my goodness. So I am one of those healthcare providers where I have to go to work. But, I, but listen, I knew this when I, I signed up for this profession. I knew that I was going to be on the front line for episodes as this. I was actually very in a, involved in our disaster preparedness team when I was in residency when H1N1 happened. Mm-hmm. And it's just being cognizant that every time you leave your home, you are running the risk of exposing whatever you encountered outside of your home to the people that you love in your home. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you personally what I being cognizant that I have to go to work, that I have to be in a hospital where 
sick people, no matter what they have, and it's not just Corona. Like I deal with people that have the flu. I deal with people that have other, you know, contagious disorders and diseases. Um, but when I get home, luckily I have a garage. I park my car in the garage, let the garage door off, and all of those layers that were exposed to the outside world, whenever I leave the house, I also cover up my hair. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, anyone who follows me on Instagram, you see I took my picture today. I, I keep my, my surgical cap, I keep a hat on my head so that my hair is not exposed. But it, I keep an entire protective layer on me that I shed in my garage. So shoes stay outside, every, the entire outer layer, my lab coat, my scrubs, my shoes, my hat, all of that stays outside. Uh, mm-hmm. And I put that in a laundry bag, and luckily I do have I, the temperature in. I wash, no matter what color those clothes are, I wash all of those clothes in hot water. Okay. And I, I'll even put a cap full. I, I don't use bleach because I don't want to discolor my clothes, but I will put a cap full of uh, a disinfectant cleaner in with my laundry detergent. Mm-hmm. And I wash my clothes separately from the rest of the household clothes. And as soon as I come in, as much as I would love to hug on my five-year-old daughter, first thing I go is the shower. And I wash. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Like, this is beyond hand washing. Mm-hmm. You gotta have good hygiene. And so I, I try to get that entire layer that has been exposed to my, my job, that hazard. I don't want to bring that in to my home and the people that I care about. So that's what I do. So my suggestion is to dress in layers so that you can remove a layer of clothes. It's harder as it gets warmer, I know, but it's, it's a precaution that I take. Mm-hmm. I remove that top layer that's exposed to the elements. Um, I remove that when I get home in my garage, outside of my home. If you can limit it to one area of your home that you can easily wipe down, you know, it should be disinfected, sprays and wipes, do that as well. But I confine that away. I keep the outside out and the inside in. That's what I do. Okay. That's good advice, though. Okay. Cool. Because, you know, we, you know, a lot of us, we know we just, we have no choice but to go out. So we got to, yeah. got to, you know, protect ourselves. That's for sure. And I'm glad just you're, you know, emphasizing the whole, because I, the hands of washing and washing the whole body, because I think people are so like, they're so distracted with everything and they think that they're they're focused on just the hands, washing the hands, and nobody's like think thinking about. In a crisis, don't you feel like people get so literal? Yes. So literal. Like literally, when he just said, I don't care what you say, I just heard him. He said, wash your hands. No, they said, good hygiene. Wash your body. Absolutely, literally, like 
I mean, the first thing people would think to run out of is toilet tissue. So let me just buy it all up. Like every store you go in, there are no paper goods, there are no paper towels. And I'm like, what in the world does any of this have to do with Corona? Right. Okay. I have to. Why do people immediately go buy all the water? <laughs> They're not turning off the water. No. It's funny. People get water. <laughs> Toilet paper, paper towels. And guess what? I have to, because people done bought out all the toilet paper, I literally have to take a roll of toilet paper to work with me because we don't have any toilet paper at work. That is crazy. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But this is, this is the literal world that we live in. So I have um, tried to be very careful with my verbiage when I am speaking and and also, everybody, just don't take everything just so seriously. Yes, be cautious. Yes, be informed. Yes, be aware. But sometimes you got to laugh to keep from crying. Yes. Can I just say, I am loving the corona memes. I promise you. I <laughs> yes. Am. I pause at least for five minutes out of my day just to show social media for the good ones. Like, literally. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. It laugh is. It's truly good medicine. I promise you. Yes, especially with all the stuff that's going on, we got we need to take a minute out and just pause and laugh, like because they are funny. I look at them too when I crack up because they're so funny. Yes, they are. They are really, really good, and I and I want everyone to know that I am one of those Karens. I will always take They will drive you up the wall. And now since they in the house, they're not in school. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you because I could not yes. be a teacher. Don't complain. Do not complain ever again. Whatever, the, whatever that teacher says she needs to educate your child, just get it. Just get it and don't look back. <laughs> and if you do feel like you want to complain, rewind and remember these two days of homeschooling and half y'all want to give up and expel the child from homeschool. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. All right. So, lastly, about the coronavirus, what are, just so people know, what are some misconceptions about it? The misconception is that all of this is new. Coronavirus is not new to the scene. This is a new strand. And this is a more virulent strand because it has mutated to be 
stronger and greatly affect our respiratory system. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. It's actually still not more fatal than the flu. The flu has still killed 10 times more people, if not more than 10 times more people, than coronavirus. Interesting. It is still, it is still important to be cautious of not just corona, but all of the respiratory illnesses that are out there. It's from the flu to upper respiratory tract infections to severe sinusitis. There's a lot of pollen and things in the air. It is just great practice to stay healthy and keep your immune system in check with all the things we talked about earlier as far as a balanced diet, regular exercise, Mm -hmm. and decreasing your stress. Yes. There, I mean, and there are, there's always going to be, I hate to say it, and I'm not saying this to scare people, we're always going to be on the verge of the next epidemic pandemic. Mm-hmm. That's just the nature of the beast that we've created. We create superbugs by all of the antibiotics and superpowered disinfectant things that we use. Think back, like our parents didn't have antibacterial soap and all of this other stuff. They had soap and water, sometimes just water. But we've developed all of these superbug cleaners and superbug antibiotics and medications that everybody takes. And you go into the medical office for anything and they're going to give you a prescription for mm-hmm. this, and we have created these superbugs so I believe we are always for the remainder of existence we're always going to be on the verge of some epidemic some new bug some new pandemic the best way to keep yourself safe is just to be healthy be and healthy. to stay healthy balanced diet regular exercise and take care of yourself yep I agree. Yes. All right. Now, I know you have your own hair and skincare line perform. Um, what What are the benefits of those? So, this is back to the chemistry degree and my desire to be Ashley Abbott. <laughs> when I had my daughter, when I had my daughter, she had really, really bad, like, it was never really diagnosed as, like, eczema psoriasis. But she had this drying flaky scalp and skin conditions and I didn't want to put like all of these steroids on her she's just a baby and I too had gone um natural you know trying to or trying to rock my natural um mm-hmm. I, I I did with every sister that goes natural does I started making up stuff in the kitchen you know you watch YouTube or whatever mm-hmm. and with my background in chemistry and biology some of the strongest proteins um, on earth come from plants. So I developed a line similar to keratin treatment, but using soy-based proteins as conditioners to fill in the weak spots in your hair. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge like essential oil person. So adding essential oils like chamomile, peppermint, tea tree, that help calm inflammation. Oh, okay. Combining those two together actually treats your scalp. And when you have a healthy scalp, it stimulates hair growth, 
of healthy, strong hair. So that's the premise behind Perform. I wanted something that was very close to 100% natural. There are some preservatives in there, but we tried to use, you know, we didn't try to use, we did use non-toxic chemicals. There are no PBAs or anything in any of my hair products. Mm -hmm. But with very few preservatives, just plant proteins and essential oils to give you strong, healthy, long-growing hair. Nice. I love that. I'm actually going to try some. I was looking on your website. I'm going to try it. It seems like it's very, very good. Yes. I have been meaning, like, you have to move your phone. You have to text me at this. I want to send you an entire care package. I want to send you a book. I'll send you some samples. We'll, we'll take care of you. Don't you worry about that. Oh, nice. Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, Dr. Kanisha, it has been a pleasure. I, I have loved this conversation. I enjoyed you so much. And I want to thank you awesome. so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me. I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you having this platform. And I, I encourage other people to find their creative outlets. I hope that, you know, your listeners get something out of this. And, I mean, we have to practice social distance right now. But you can still connect with people with mm -hmm. good conversation, good laughter. This has actually been refreshing for me. We, before we started this, I was telling you about the hectic day I had. Yes. Day. So it's been great, you know, just to talk about it. Get it off your chest. I'm about to go spend some time with my daughter, you know, and enjoy my life and enjoy myself. So I am thankful to you. And I hope that other people, we can, this conversation will start other conversations that people, though socially distant, can still stay connected. Yes, I hope so. I learned a lot today, so I know the listeners did. And it's just, it's really nice too for me, you know, me having three kids and all. It's nice talking to adults and just having adult conversations. <laughs> I know. And not yelling at the top Right. These kids will make you think you're crazy. Okay. No one's not crazy. Yeah, so I, I I appreciate you, sis. I'm proud of you. Everything that you're doing. Yes, and tell the people where they can keep up with you. They can follow me on all of social media at Dr. Kanisha, D-R-K-A-N-I-S-H-A, and on my website, drkanisha.com. Yes, y'all hear that? Go follow her, support her. She's great. It's like I look at you and I see that all that you have done. And I'm like, man, I see you. I see me and you. And I see my daughter can look at you and see her. She knows that she can one day be a doctor if she wants to. Like, that's amazing. Yes. And that's, and that's why I tell people all the time representation matters. That's why I do try to get in front of school-age kids to let them know, like, I mean, no shade or anything in our professional athletes. But, I mean, that's a hard... It's harder to become a professional athlete than it is to become a doctor. Mm. Like, everybody's not going to... Everybody's not going to make... Like, the percentage of people that are actually going to be making it to the NBA and the NFL, It's that's harder to do than actually become a doctor. Wow, yeah. So, mm. but... Uh, if kids don't see it, it's not an option. Right, exactly. It is. It's, it's definitely an option. Yep, it is. And I'm, you know, and that's why I'm thankful for these kind of conversations and for people like you that sh can show them that, yes, this is an option for you. You don't just have to get into sports, you know, you can do other things, other great yes. things. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So thank you so much. My pleasure.
And like always, you can reach me on Instagram. I have two pages. The first one is Linnea underscore blogs underscore her underscore way. And the other one is unpacking underscore the underscore box underscore podcast. Or you can email me directly at unpackingtheboxpodcast at gmail.com. You know what, though? If you are enjoying my show, make sure you subscribe so that you can keep up with my episodes. I appreciate you all. Thank you so much. Be well.